they're an average of 19 one-and-dones per draft class. But 36% of those one-and-dones were not McDonald's All-Americans. Find out which non-McDonald's All-Americans are potential one-and-done candidates for the 2023 draft. Stay tuned. Big, huge shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And today we have an episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and helps you find them faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. What is up? I hope everybody had a great weekend. We had college basketball, our first college basketball weekend. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my guest today is one of my favorite guests. He's a repeat guest on the show, someone that I, I think just is one of the, the brightest young minds in this whole industry. It is Max Feldman. Max, what, what's what's new in your world? What's going on? I appreciate you having me on. Always happy to hop on and talk some college basketball, some draft stuff. So appreciate you. Yeah, so you're you're a, I consider you an expert when it comes to like grassroots, and um, you've done stuff. You had your front office gurus website. Now you're doing stuff for for Made Hoops, and you did a report that you actually sent out to different NBA teams about one and dones. And like I mentioned in the opening, there's about 19 per draft class, and about 36 percent of those one and dones over the last few drafts were not McDonald's All-Americans. And so I wanted to get your opinion and just kind of hear your your list of guys that we need to watch out for. Because right now I think the guys that are really interested in the draft, we know who the McDonald's All-Americans were. We know, you know, the Derek Livelys, the Clell Wares, we we know the Nick Smiths. But who are some of the 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 biggest surprises? Actually before I ask you this, I have one guy that I watched this film. And I put him on my on my big board as it was. It's not I haven't done a big board yet, but I put him on my list. I, I broke it down on my draft guide. I broke it down into lottery picks, first round picks and second round guys. And there are a couple of guys that I think could be first rounders for sure that weren't McDonald's All-Americans. So the first guy I want to get your opinion on, and I'm a huge fan of his. And I've even had people tell me, like, don't. I mean, people that are agents are like, mm -hmm. do not mention this kid's name. Do not mention his name. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to do it. Bryce yeah. Sensenball. He's one of my new favorite prospects. Tell me tell me your thoughts on, on Bryce. Yeah, so Bryce is kind of the leader of this entire article, this whole project. He's kind of the top guy at this stage. Um, he broke out pretty late in high school. His final peach jam. Um down in Augusta, that COVID peach jam, um, he broke out. He went crazy um, and started to explode in terms of national rankings. Um, offers came flying and all of that good stuff. So 6'6", big-bodied wing, um, probably pushing 240, 250 by the time I saw him last summer. Like a big kid, um, but he doesn't move like it. He moves like he's probably 210 pounds, um, but knows how to use his frame really well. Um, better athlete than you'd expect plays really hard, um, solid athlete and shoots the hell out of the ball. So 
yeah, I'm not surprised to see him coming out the gate hot, gates hot. Um, he finished high school that way. So, yeah, he he's definitely the leader in the clubhouse in terms of this discussion right now. Yeah, I'm a fan. They they have him listed at 6'6", 235. And when I watched him, I saw, like, the, the creative skills. And I'm big on guys that can create their own shot. Totally. He can create his own shot. He can pull up. But then he has the bully ball game. And I love the, the bully ball game. That's why I'm a big, yeah. huge Luka fan. I try to go to every Mavs game because I love the fact that, all right, if he can't beat you dancing, then it's going to just turn into, all right, I'm going to put my back <laughs> to you. Yeah, and, and he, he doesn't lack any of that burst to get that first step and beat and get the guy on his hip. And then after that, he's getting wherever he wants with that strength and the ability to use his frame, plays at his own pace, can really explode to the hoop. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. So far through two games, he's averaging 15 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, shooting 55% from the floor, only 28% from three. What can you tell me about his jump shot? Do you think that he is, I mean, it's only two games, very small sample size. Do you think that he's a, a better shooter than what the numbers are showing so far? Yeah, I think I'll definitely shoot it down the line. That's not something that's been a red flag or anything. That's been a strength of his in the past. So definitely something that will come along, I think, in terms of, as the season goes along, just gets into rhythm. He's always been super decisive off the catch, whether it's shooting the ball or getting to his spot. So I think that'll definitely be something that comes along and those numbers rise up a little bit. Yep, we are talking about Bryce Sensenball, the freshman from Ohio State, listed at 6'6", 235. It's like this, this excellent combination of power and finesse. So he was not a McDonald's All-American. And you mentioned um, the COVID year had something to do with it. Is there any other reasons why he's just kind of been falling behind the radar? Because he's definitely, and I'm willing to bet that he's definitely going to have a better year than quite a few of the McDonald's All-Americans. Why was he so lightly recruited? Yeah, 100%. That's a good question. I think that's kind of you're getting to the, the basis of this project overall. There's definitely different things that come along, whether it's injuries, guys getting exposure stuff people just didn't know uh, a ton about them there's a wide range of stuff and that was kind of the base of this project as a whole but with Bryce specifically um he didn't go the prep school route played at his high school in Florida um he had a few knee injuries early in high school I want to say it was his sophomore year and his sophomore summer he had meniscus injuries in the same knee so whether it was rehabbing um anything like that he just didn't really get that exposure during that time while COVID was going on at that exact prime of his high school career. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the basis of it. After after uh, that Peach Sham offer started to come flying in, and then after that, he, had, he could have really gone a lot of different places. It wasn't like Ohio State was his only offer, but whether it's his weight um, and the his he's shed that a lot of that bad weight since getting to Columbus, but whether it was people worried about that or – I don't really know. Um, he never really exploded to that top 25 type of guy nationally in the class of 2022. Off the top of your head, how many guys do you think from this class? I know last year's class was, was um, I mean, there were some guys that were impacted by it. But how many guys do you think from this high school class of 2022 were impacted by the the COVID summer where there wasn't a lot of exposure? Because I, there are some guys that were in the class of 21 that skyrocketed up these um, these rankings, right? 
when they they were able to benefit because they played in states that actually played during the summer. And there were totally. some guys that were hurt. Um, there's there's one particular name that comes to mind. He has I, I I didn't think he was that great. He skyrocketed because he played in a state that played games, so people were able to see him and he so like how many guys do you think were impacted by that in, in this class? It's a lot of guys, I would say for sure. And just being in the grassroots stuff and being out to these sessions each summer, there are guys, probably four to five guys per session across all the circuits that will kind of blow up each session and they'll get into that conversation of what is top 30, top 40. And that COVID summer, there was one big session and that was really it. It was like 10, 12 days. So not having those other sessions 100% affected a lot of guys. And I think we'll continue to see that throughout um, this college basketball season with guys just popping that uh, their their rotation coming out of high school doesn't necessarily match that. So um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of guys. I don't know if I could put a number on it, but there's a lot of guys that were hurt by COVID in terms of exposure, development, all of that. Back to Bryce. Do you think Bryce will, do you think he's like this year's version of Malachi Branham? I mean, it's kind of, crazy that they they both went to the or you know both Ohio State guys Malachi wasn't you know super highly touted coming out of school he ends up being a first round pick do you think Bryce can have a a similar year yeah I think so the difference with Malachi is he wasn't necessarily that kind of late bloomer that exploded uh late in the high school career he was ranked pretty high he just wasn't the McDonald's All-American he was like a top 35 top 40 consensus guy versus Bryce was borderline top 150 until he really started to slide up there and I think he ended probably around the 60 70 mark maybe top 50 but um yeah I mean in terms of the Ohio State stuff definitely makes sense and I think guys like Jeremy Sohan Blake Wesley it's a lot of guys uh now since COVID popping is non-McDonald's All-American so it's not just this project wasn't just about guys that sneaked our way into the draft process or anything like that there are guys that explode onto the scene and end up lottery picks, top 20 picks. All right. When we return, I want to hear more about, about this project that you're doing. And of course, we're going to talk about some of the names that you mentioned in this project. But next, I want to talk to the audience about LinkedIn jobs. That's because these days, every new potential hire, it can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and more importantly, for free. So all you have to do is use the hashtag hiring, add that to your frame, to your LinkedIn profile, and it will spread the word and let people know that you are indeed hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you like to interview and more importantly, who you like to hire. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and the insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, it is available on this app, YouTube, 
and wherever you get your podcast. All right. This is Rafael Barlow with my guy, Max Feldman. And I've mentioned it before. One of the brightest minds. When I have a question about some grassroots guys, I can just send Max a text or get him a call. And he's going to give me the entire rundown because he's he's one of the best in the business. So remember the name. You You may see it on your TV screen in a few years, maybe even sooner. All right. So tell me about this project. You obviously put in some time and work on this project. I, I love the fact that you're showing initiative. I have so many people reach out to me all the time. Like, man, I want to be a scout. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I tell them, you, you got to put out content. Like you, you have to put it out there. If you don't put it out there and you're, you're not going to, to get discovered, just don't be afraid to put your scouting reports. Use social media to your advantage. There's so many people that are getting jobs because of social media. and you're one of the people that I've been seeing for the last few years. You're just putting out content and your content is a little bit different. You're not just doing scouting reports. You're, you're digging deep in, into like the grassroots. And, and so you put together this project that you sent to NBA teams about these potential one and done guys that weren't McDonald's all Americans. So what made you decide to, to put together this project and then tell me like, how long did it take? Or a lot of, was a lot of this just from, you know, just being on the scene? Yeah, so two different pieces to really how it came about. First piece was I've always been intrigued by how guys can just kind of uh, be slid down the rankings and not be necessarily as highly touted as some other guys and then pop once they hit the scene in college basketball. So um, that was the first big part of it. Second big part of it was I wanted to be creative. I wanted to do something different. Um, I don't want to introduce to everyone the McDonald's All-Americans and break them down. Um, wanted to have a unique spin on it and uh, kind of just went hand in hand to something that I've always just been super intrigued with. So that's really how it came about. Um, took probably two to three weeks to all put together. I think in general, in terms of breaking down the cell and the swing skill, that's more of like you mentioned, just being on scene. I've been watching these guys for a few years now. So that was kind of the easier part to put together. Um, the harder part was selecting the right guys in terms of guys that might have the opportunity, guys that might be ready to um, hit the ground running in college basketball, whether it's their age being a little bit older or some of those younger guys might not be ready yet. So um, that that part took a little bit more time. But yeah, it was an enjoyable process for sure. All right. How much of these rankings do you think are just BS? So I'll give you an example. So I was heavy into the grassroots in 2015 or 2016. So there were a few players that everybody were were really high on. They thought they were top 10, top 15 at the minimum. And my gut feeling was like, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. But then somehow I kind of let other people in the consistency of where they were ranked make me feel like that I was missing out. Like, okay, maybe I'm seeing something that they don't see. So by the end of the, the summer, I had these guys ranked around the same range as everybody else. And mm -hmm. then, I mean, it wasn't even a year later, I ended up realizing like, you know, you got to trust your gut feeling. These guys were nowhere near as good. They had this hype machine behind them and the power of videographers and, 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 and these different platforms that boosted them up. So how often does that happen in your opinion? Yeah. So for me, I think rankings, I'm not a person who doesn't think rankings are important. I think rankings are really important. I think the biggest thing is that people don't denote what they're ranking. They don't describe what they're ranking. They don't describe what comes to mind. So 
with this project, like you mentioned, um, 12 of those 19 one and dones per draft cycle were McDonald's All-Americans. Those other half. So that's half the McDonald's All-American roster stays in college for more than one year. Um, a lot of those guys tend to be big guys, uh, guys that are super highly ranked and their game just doesn't necessarily translate to what NBA in, uh, personnel is looking for within that one year. And the other half of the group, a lot of those guys are just older. So maybe they popped later in high school and they were more productive, but they were already a year older than the guys they're playing against. So they should, they should produce in that manner. So obviously there's other guys that just, their game doesn't translate well. They were overrated. There are definitely guys like that. But for me with rankings and how I approach rankings is you have to really have a, a goal in mind and you have to have it written out of what you're ranking and what you have in mind. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there are some guys that were highly touted that were putting up ghost stats, you know, like your six seven center. It's like yep. it's <laughs> I went to a high school tournament last weekend and there was a guy that he was like six five, two twenty-five all post work explosive i'm talking just dunking off drop steps he had about eight dunks in a game yeah i'm like dang that's not going to translate <laughs> anywhere no and i mean he was like i said a six five <laughs> like dunker spot big and i mean like yeah. he was i mean just off vert he was dunking everything but it's just sad that he didn't have the positional size he may i think he was only like a sophomore so he does have time to add to his game but I can imagine when he's a senior, he's going to be putting up crazy, crazy numbers just off of just natural progression, even if he doesn't add anything to his game. And I can see him being productive, leading his team to a bunch of wins. And then he may be ranked high. And then once he gets to college, it's it's going to be tough for him because he's so undersized. All right. Who yeah. was another player on your list that you that you had on this list that you sent out to NBA teams that you think is going to pop this year? A guy that I've always been, uh, I would say probably for the last 12 to 14 months, I've been super high on, super excited about is Syracuse freshman Judah Mintz. Um, he's a guy that people are starting to talk about more and deservedly so. Um, kind of similar to Bryce, I think Judah was always ranked um, a bit higher. He was a fringe top 50 guy, top 60 guy. Um, when I brought on my final rankings at the end of the high school season. I believe I, I had him around the 12 mark. Um, so for me, always been a guy that's super undervalued. Played a lot off ball early in high school and on the AU circuit, played alongside Derek Whitehead and Rodney Rice, freshman at Tech, who was also very good at the time. Um, and then over the course of his senior year, playing in the NIBC against the best high school programs in the country, um, slotted into more of a lead guard point guard role. And did great, um, had a great year, uh, mid-range killer, big-time shooter. I'm a little bit higher on his defensive outlook than most people. He's still wiry thin. He's probably 170 pounds, but um, I really like what he can be uh, on the defensive end long-term. We won't really get to see that this year at Syracuse, playing playing zone. Um, not a great fit with that, but I um, think he can really slide his feet and defend at the point attack down the line, um, can really get to his spots, scores the ball at all three levels, has to shoot the ball from three a ton more and has to up that volume, but um, he's one I'm super excited about in terms of tracking throughout this year. Now, what do you think his, or what do you think the skill set that he'll be able to hang his hat on as an NBA player? Um, I would say just the advantage creation, the ability to get his own shot in the half court. Um, he moves, he's super difficult to stay in front of, um, slithery, uh, kind of herky-jerky pace, but one of those guys that, 
even against the best point of attack defenders in the NIBC, guys that project very well in the defensive end this year in college basketball. He was killing everyone, um, just really dynamic getting to his spot. So I think that, and then I think the the budding, the budding part of his game is that on-off versatility, um, can attack off the bounce, but also attack off the catch, solid cutter. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty high on him. All right, when we return, I'm just going to go down a list of some of the names on, on Max's, on his list, and I'll just get his opinion on it. But I want to talk to you about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, even esports. They have it at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well on BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. All right, once again, it's Rafael Barlow and Max Feldman. We're talking about some of the guys that Max believes are going to be potential one-and-done candidates. Then they were kind of under the radar. They weren't McDonald's All-Americans. All right, Chance Westry going to yeah. Auburn. Share, share me, share with me your thoughts on Chance. I actually don't know if he's been able to debut yet. Um, I know he was dealing with some injuries, offseason injuries. Um, but yeah, he was super intriguing to me playing at AZ Compass last year. Um, 6'6", long, wiry guard, does most of his work on the ball. Um, really uh, slinky mover, tough to, tough to stay in front of, deceleration, flexibility, finishing at the cup. Um, just a really dynamic slasher. Um, obviously, has great positional size. It's six foot six with some plus length. Um, the thing with him is going to be shooting the ball, shooting the ball at a higher volume. And then also the one thing that I was a little held back with in terms of projecting him as a one and done was just playing in that on guard high usage role at Auburn in year one. Um, I know they've always got a lot of guards and they always have that certain style of play. So um, earning that role and obviously the injury doesn't help in terms of the early season games and the off season stuff. So he's not one, I would say at this point, I'm most confident he's going to end up being a one and done, but in terms of his sell long-term in terms of his appeal to the NBA, he's got the tools. Yeah. I, I watched his film and I just couldn't get a really good feel for his film. And uh, it's someone that I'm, I'm going to double back and watch it again. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't get a feel like I, I saw the intrigue, but I just couldn't put it together. But a guy mm -hmm. that I, I did have a good feel on is his, his teammate at Auburn, Johan Treyor. What do you think about him? Yeah, he's one of those guys that uh, not necessarily blew up in terms of exposure. He did um, obviously became one of the biggest names in the classes, but his development really blew up since he came over since that last summer. Um, obviously has great size. It's six foot nine, six foot ten, big bodied frame. And then seven really three wingspan. And <laughs> ton of length, moves pretty well, plays hard for, for the most part, and really started to shoot the ball at a high level down the line in his high school career. So um, slotting into that Jabari Smith Jr. role at Auburn, um, not necessarily going to be that type of guy. Obviously, we've seen that early, but um, maybe we'll see some of that in terms of some of those sets to open up a shot, tack downhill. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see more of him um, and see if that development arc continues to go in that same direction. Are you buying into him being a good shooter this year, or do you think he'll mostly be someone that kind of scores at the dunker spot 
and scores in and around the basket because I saw flashes of, you know, shooting range or whatever, maybe not necessarily a floor spacer, but I did see some flashes of him being able to knock down some shots. The thing that I want to see him work on other than the shot is like the non-dunk finishes, right? It seems like if it's not a dunk, then he, he didn't, it just seemed like he struggled. He wasn't as effective around the rim. If it wasn't, it wasn't a dunk. Is there anything that, that you feel like he needs to, to work on or, or you want to see out of him this year? Yeah. So kind of what in what you mentioned having to do with that is his just physicality overall. Like you mentioned, he's got great length, a good frame, but he doesn't really play like that often. He doesn't really use his frame to the level that you would assume given his tools. So that's a big point, a big thing. And then the other piece of it is just his overall feel for the game something that I would like to see improve in terms of, um, like you mentioned, getting to the right finishes around the rim when he's contested and picking his spots more accordingly, something that I think could could be something that holds him back this year. All right, next player I want to ask you about is Tyrese Proctor, who has gotten off to an absolute terrible start in, in yeah. two games. I think the first game he was, was it like 0 for 6 or 1 for 6 or something like that. What are your thoughts on Proctor? I know he has the speed, and, I mean, he is one of the fastest guys in this class, in my opinion. And I I think he can shoot. I mean, I, I don't think the, the shooting slump that he's in at the start of the season, I don't think that's an indication of, of who he is as a prospect. But I, I was intrigued by the speed and the shooting. What are your thoughts on Proctor? Yeah, he was one of those guys that I kind of needed to include. Obviously, I had less of a track record uh, with him than some of the other guys in terms of grassroots stuff. But – um, like you mentioned, the shooting has been super intriguing. His frame, that love, that pace that he plays with in the field for the game showed some showed off some really intriguing playmaking with uh in FIBA play. So that was one of the things I was super intrigued to see. Um, the role with all of the Duke guys in general, obviously Kyle Filipowski, I also mentioned here. I was most intrigued to see how that all plays out. And I think there'll still be some time to figure all of that out with Derek Whitehead still sidelined. So um, he's one of those guys in terms of also just coming from Australia and it's a completely different style of play. He's one I would give some more time to in terms of just really getting a real evaluation for. Obviously, it's a big transition uh, coming into college basketball, especially a guy coming from Australia. Yeah, so far he is shooting 8% from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that that low. The first game he was... 0 for 8, and then he was 1 for 4 in the second game. So definitely want to see him get those numbers up. Let's talk about Filipowski. Now, he was a guy that, I mean, I remember when the McDonald's list came out, there was such a big uproar of how did he not make it. So he's kind of like a guy, even though technically he wasn't McDonald's All-American, he is, it's rare. He's like the one guy, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that was not a McDonald's All-American but was a projected mid-first round or first round pick. Yeah. On almost every board. So do you have any insight on why he wasn't McDonald's All-American? Yeah. If you reclassify while you're still in high school, you can't be eligible for McDonald's game. And that was was why he was not eligible. Okay. So did he reclass up or down? Um, I believe he's not old, super old for the class. So I think, um, he reclassed down, but I'm not positive on that. Gotcha. What do you think about him as an NBA prospect? I know he's like this do-it-all big, does a little bit of everything. What do you think about him? 
Yeah, he's super interesting to me um, in terms of the overall feel for the game, his ability to process the game on both ends of the floor. Um, the pass dribble shoot stuff is super intriguing. So um, with him, I think it's just the quick twitch and smoothing and smoothing out his defensive trajectory and what he can be on that end of the floor um, is kind of the big thing that I think can really level him up to an NBA guy this year. I think also shooting the ball with strong efficiency is another big thing. But um, for me, the the intrigue is pretty clear cut in terms of being a super crafty, highly skilled big guy that can really pass the ball, um, can get to his spots and do some interesting things off the dribble. All right, there's a guy that I want to talk to you about, and I heard this from an NBA scout yesterday at a Mavericks game. What are your thoughts on Seth Trimble? Yeah, that's a good one. He was definitely considered a ton here. Um, a Wisconsin guy, so I had the chance to see him not too far from me, a good amount. Um, his brother also a big-time former UNC player. So I just um, learned yeah. that yesterday. I just learned that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a lot of fun. The shooting is the big thing with him. Um, that has to come along a bunch. He's a guy that is looking to get to the rim. He's a big-time athlete, just like his brother was at UNC. So, um, yeah, he's really intriguing. I think the thing that kept him off the list, list for me is I'm not going to bet on a one-and-done guy playing behind Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in year one. So, so check yeah. this out. Check this out. So that's what I thought. I left him off my, my list. And yeah. the scout told me, He's too good to leave off the bench. He said eventually they're going to have to play him because he thought that he was better than Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. And, and he, yeah, he said that they're going to bring him along very slow, and then it's going to be a point where he he gets in a game like a you know a, a bigger game, and he's going to do something to where you can't take him out and he's just going to keep doing it and so i yeah. said i had told this i'm big on this go ahead i'm big on his defense i think that would, could be the one thing that really gets him on the floor yeah i think so too and the scout and i told this guy i said dang i just basically submitted my my uh you know my my list of my pre-draft guy and i left him off of it. So i watched his film and i had notes but i left him off and he was like you better put him back on it. <laughs> he was that confident in, in Seth Trimble. So we'll, we'll see if he's right. Now, one more guy that I want to ask you about is Trey White. Trey White has bounced around quite a bit. Yeah. I remember when he was a freshman, as a freshman, I, I don't know if he did the whole year here in Dallas or maybe just a semester, but he was teammates with RJ Hampton at Little Elm. And I remember watching him play. And I mean, he was just very, very advanced for a freshman and yep. um I, I think he i mean it was just multiple au programs i kind of lost track of where he finished his high school was it like at prolific or one of the schools out out west yeah he finished that prolific prep okay and he's at usc what are your thoughts on trey white yeah he's a guy that i came around on a ton he wasn't a guy that i was super high on early in his high school career um but at prolific prep he was super impressive for me the shot quality and the shot selection is the biggest question mark with him. Um, just kind of been a tunnel vision ball stopper type of guy in the past. Um, so that's the one big thing I'm watching. Uh, he's kind of a guy that I think they might ease into. They might ease him into the lineup more. Um, he's put up like decent numbers, hasn't done too much, but getting a shots up. That's the one thing with Trey White. He's going to get a shots up when he gets on the court, but 
big time athlete, uh, can really create separation, uh, has great size. He's listed at six, 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 seven. I don't know if he's quite six, seven, but definitely has a very good frame. Can you really get downhill to the rim and, uh, finish above the rim? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he does him and, and Kajani Wright at, at USC, uh, even though Kajani was, he was McDonald's all American. I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Well, man, I really appreciate this. Man, you you know you're going to be on again soon in, in the very near future. Where can the listeners follow you on social media and see some of your work? Yeah, my Twitter is at maxfeldman6, and then all my work is on madehoops.com. Made hoops. All right. Well, thank you so much for for coming on, and thank you the listeners for making this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast a success. Thank you for making it your first listen, if, if it, even if it's your second listen. I want to thank you for that. But I have one more show that I want to suggest to you, and it is the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, and my guest today was Max Feldman from Made Hoops, grassroots guru. And we are out. <laughs>